Everyone knows Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and the community. Over the course of the last year, we have become painfully aware of the very negative headlines national media projected across the country regarding all law enforcement agencies. Over the last several months, and after numerous investigations, we have learned that these negative headlines did not tell the whole story but rather painted a picture designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Law Matters wants you to hear all the facts so you can decide for yourself. As these investigations conclude, these stories will be featured on our Truth Matters page on lawmatters1030.org website. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this morning. In the studio, we have the Tucson Fire Chief, Chuck Ryan. And on the phone, we're going to get an update from Hal Kempfer on this knucklehead that stole all those documents. Hal, how you doing? Hi, Jerry. How's I'm it? doing good. How are you? I'm <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> so what's up with this guy? Well, I think you uh, you use the operative legal term knucklehead. <laughs> um, yeah, he. Uh, it turns out he's uh, he's uh, what they call cyber. Cyber Transport Systems Journeyman, which is a uh, it's an Air Force uh, term for a uh, uh, military occupation, especially basically he's an IT guy, and uh, he's in the same category as Edward Snowden, which right. is he was an IT guy, and and like uh, like all other organizations, the intelligence community at large has a very large information technology infrastructure and we have specialists uh we have it guys that work in that area and that's why he had the top secret sensitive compartmented information clearance was so he could work on those systems what what he didn't have was he was not he wasn't an intelligence specialist or or trained in that so obviously he didn't understand the implications of what he was doing and uh, so he kind of no excuse. It's not. Well, you know, there's a uh, they're going to go back and look at a lot of things, which is, you know, we do the background investigation. Then five years later, we normally do a periodic uh, update the investigation. But one of the things we've been doing, but obviously it's not fully taken, is looking closely in between those years to find out if there's something going on. And he got in this chat room. Uh, on this Discord server where he had this group that he was talking to. Uh, a lot of, and this is something, some of this actually kind of ties to COVID that people couldn't, you know, especially young people, teenagers, um, couldn't actually meet physically. So they started gravitating towards online. And this, this chat room, they started talking and, you know, like minded individuals, but a lot of anti Semitism, racism anti-government uh feelings are being shared i think they're kind of ramping each other up and in whatever his psychological matrix he, he at some point he decided he was going to start sharing probably to bolster his ego or something start sharing uh classified material he had uh access to and he knew fully what he was doing there was no there was no inadvertent thing he was thinking throughout the fbi did a very extensive investigation uh, stuff is coming out, but you know he thought through what he was doing. He knew he could get caught, and yet he still shared that information, and it has caused some pretty grave damage to yeah. the national security. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out why he picked OG for his his sign, his call sign, because to me that means opera ghost. And (laughs) (laughs) what does OG mean to you? Uh, old time gangster. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> that, why he picked that either. It's uh, it. I don't know. It's okay. you know, just one of those handles he used online. Yeah, but that's what he used. And he was trying to impress people. I guess something. It, it, there was something that came out originally that said that he, uh, um, he was being challenged on something he was saying about Ukraine. He goes, "Well, I know the answer to that." And he went and pulled a classified map that showed troop positions. But he is he's oh, wow. he what he's done is he's shown troop positions, dispositions, our assessment of Ukrainian forces. He's uh put a lot of stuff out there. This is what's really bothersome is he's put a lot of stuff out there on uh Russia where we had very good apparently, according looking at the, the information that he released, uh very good information on what was going on, real time assessments that we were able to provide early warning to the Ukrainians of pending attacks. And now the Russians are looking at this, trying to figure out sources and methods by which we got this. So he's got blood on his hands. He does. Uh, Now, I don't know if there's there's a human spy somewhere hidden in the Kremlin or something like that. Certainly they'll be looking for that. But also technical means. I mean, if they know that we've tapped into a particular communication line or something like that after they winnow it down, they might find a way to block that. And when they do that, it takes a very long time. To, to ever get access to that again. So that's where you see grave damage to national security. Also, there were reports he released where we had, uh, a, you know, uh, well, based on the documents, had collected intelligence on uh, some of our allies, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, Israel, South Korea, which is, it, it, it irritates allies when allies collect intelligence on them. Um, the, the Secretary General Guterres, and there were assessments, uh, although in some cases, it, originally we thought it might be the Russians, but when we started looking at the information, there was stuff in there that was as, about as embarrassing to the Russians as it was to us, and which was kind of a head-scratcher for a while, because we, you know, when it initially came up, a lot of a lot of people looking at this were thinking, well, it's Russian intelligence. This is another one of those, you know, clever schemes by Putin or something. But it just didn't quite fit because a couple of those clever schemes were talking about Russian operations, which once it became public, uh, those those countries involved turned around and said, oh, no, we're not doing that. And even, you know, take them at face value. You know, they say they're not doing it, but I will tell you this, once it's public, they stop doing it because they know we know they're doing it. So, exactly. You know, yeah. Well, so. well, I appreciate you telling us what was happening. I hope they put him away for a long, long time. Uh, I hope so, and I'm I'm sure they will. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you have all a right. good weekend, all right? Okay, you too, Sherry. Take, Take care. care. Okay, in the studio we have the Tucson Fire Chief, Chuck Ryan. How mm-hmm. you doing? Good, doing well this morning. Thanks. Now that we've been updated and our security has been violated, <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty scary stuff. Yeah. What's going on with the fire department? How are you guys doing? We're doing good. You know, we we are very, very busy. Um, 
last year, 2022, was a record year for Tucson Fire. Uh, over 100,000 calls for service for the first time in the department's history. You're kidding. Nope. What, what, nope. what do people call you about? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything. About, about 85%, 83 to 85% of our call volume is emergency medical services. Um, and then the remainder is you know fires, automobile accidents, uh, hazmat, technical rescue, a, a wide variety of things. But and that's sort of the 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 trend in the in the modern U.S. fire service is that the the majority of calls tend to have an emergency medical component versus a fire component. When that um, thing happened on I ten with all the smoke and oh yeah, the, were you guys there? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, we most certainly were. So, yeah. Were they wearing their hazmat suits? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the truck carrying uh, nitric acid that uh, flipped over into the median of I ten there on uh, out by Rita Road. It's uh, yeah, that's so. Even though that's an interstate highway, that's still within the city limits. Um, Arizona DPS has primary jurisdiction over that, but in terms of the mitigation of the hazmat response, that falls to Tucson Fire. So, is everything okay out there, or is there residual hazards in that area? How does that work? No, everything's okay. Um, so once 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 the accident occurs, our hazmat trained personnel go in and and mitigate that right. Um, DPS calls in a cleanup contractor. They come and remove the dirt, the the, the uh, contaminated soil, all that. And so it's 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 basically over and done with at this point. What was the matter with the driver? Why did why did he flip his truck over? We don't we don't know. the 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 assumption is he had some sort of a medical emergency because the that's what I was thinking. Eyewitness reports were that he just kind of drifted off the road. So oh yeah, that's sad. Yeah, that's sad. Did you guys take him away? Uh, he was deceased in the truck, so... Oh, uh, he died. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He died at the scene. Yes. Oh, that's sad. Okay. Yeah. Prayer. <laughs> All right. So, are you hiring? We absolutely are hiring. Uh, we Our application process is open right now for our next recruit academy. We have a recruit academy in right now with uh, 36... Hopefully, we will keep all 36 to graduation in mid-July, but uh, we have 36 folks in the academy right now, and then we're going to start our next recruit academy with approximately 35 to 40 people in January of 2024. Where's your academy? Uh, it's out on South Wilmot Road, out by the federal prison. It's, oh. a, it's, the joint, it's, uh, it's the joint public safety training academy. Both Tucson Fire and Tucson Police share the, share the property. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So how, how long is your academy? 22 weeks. And what do you teach them? Everything from start to finish. We we don't uh, hire lateral firefighters from other jurisdictions. If they are coming from another jurisdiction, they are coming in as an entry level. So whether they could have been a battalion chief or something in another fire department, but everybody uh, that comes into our academy comes in as a recruit firefighter, and we teach them everything. We teach them uh, emergency medical technician, so they get their EMT certification, and then we teach them all of the required uh skills ksas to get through the fire training piece ksa knowledge skills and abilities okay (laughs) sorry (laughs) no problem okay what's the difference in the training i mean explain what hot shots are because we'll hear this during fire season oh the hot shots are here what's a hot shot compared to you guys sure so the hot the hot shot crews um they they work for a variety of entities right so some of them are stood up by um 
fire agencies in the United States. Others are stood up by the U.S. Forest Service. And, and what they do, uh, they're, they're basically seasonal firefighters, although the wildfire season in the United States is now becoming almost a 12-month 12, 12 season. 12-month season. Um, they, they are specially trained in wildland firefighting, uh, which is very different from structural firefighting. And they will – you'll hear about hotshot crews from Idaho coming to Arizona because the way the – the way the weather patterns work and and the fire season, are, we are just coming into Arizona's fire season now, really, the April-May time frame, mm-hmm. and it will last until monsoon starts, and then the fire season starts to migrate northward up into California, Utah, Nevada, and up into the Idaho, Montana area. So as the summer progresses into fall, that's, that's sort of how the fire season flows. So the question about the training, um, the hotshot crews work with shovels and rakes and specialized tools to cut fire lines, um, things like that. They, it's, I mean, they do use hose and water, but they operate in very austere environments, right? Typically, sometimes miles and miles from a water, water source. Whereas an urban fire department, structural firefighting, it's, it's designed as interior firefighting to save structures. Um, the gear is different. Um, you don't see wildland firefighters wearing the self-contained breathing apparatus, the air packs. You don't see them wearing the turnout gear that we wear, you know, the bunker pants, the, the heavy coat, all that, because their work is outside the fire, and our work is sometimes inside the fire. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, if you have a hot shot, do, because I've heard of um, Arizona firefighters going to other areas to help people. Yes. Okay. But they're not hot shots. Correct. So why are they going? <laughs> so as an example, to, um, the local fire agencies here all have trained personnel in wildland firefighting, but they're cross-trained. Okay, so okay. They're, they're structural firefighters, but they have also received the training and certifications in wildland. And Tucson Fire, even though we're an urban fire department protecting a major city, we still have, we have about 20 of our members who are uh, carded, properly trained, certified in wildland firefighting in various because each job in that arena has a certification, a checklist that the member has to complete in order to be able to be sent out the door. And so we work with the Arizona Department of Forestry and Fire Management, DFFM, uh, as what, what's known as a cooperators agreement. So when there is a f- wildfire in Arizona um, that exceeds the capabilities of the local fire agency, they will put out a request for help and as long as we can do it, if they need our help, we will send our crew to that fire to assist the state and the local with respect to you know containing that fire and, and extinguishing it ultimately. The same thing exists to go out of state. We export our team to California, Utah, Colorado um, during this fire season. Um, and that's the request comes from the U.S. Forest Service to the state of Arizona saying, hey, can you send crews? And that's why you see... Here in Arizona during our season, you might see a, 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 a you know a National Forest Service truck from Idaho mm-hmm. rolling around Tucson. And yeah, like, where did they come from? Exactly. But that's they pre-position crews um, in advance of the fire season, so that's why you see that. Okay, because I have seen that you'll. It's not a very nice vehicle. It's like a box. Yeah. Right, and it says "hot shot" on the side. Yep, <laughs> and it's like, and the poor guys have to sit there cramped together, pretty much, like a, a like prison a tr- yeah, truck. It's, it's like a personnel carrier. You uh, know. A personnel. Yeah. It's probably better than a prison <laughs> truck. So, do we have a hook and ladder in Tucson? Is that why do they call it hook and ladder? So that's yeah. The hook and ladder is uh, it's a it, yes is the short answer. We have um, ladder trucks here in Tucson. 
meaning they have a, a long area ladder on top of the truck. The term hook and ladder goes back to the old days of firefighting because that the personnel that would be assigned to that vehicle had hooks and ladders, hooks to pull ceilings and open walls up to expose <laughs> hidden fire, and then ladders to get up on roofs and into windows. So that that terminology has kind of stuck with it, but we, we call them ladders, and yes, we have several of them around the spring. How, high, so, how high do they go? Uh, the tallest one we have, I believe, is 110 feet. So that's what, 10 stories? Roughly 10 stories, yeah. Okay. Roughly. So you don't want to live higher than 10 stories. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. You if never you, know. If, if you do, know where your exit stairwell exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, go to the roof. Do you have a helicopter? We do not. Do you want one? <laughs> no. It's too, no. <laughs> no. Thank you, but no. <laughs> okay. Just, just thought I'd ask. So what are you looking for when you're recruiting people? What kind of person are you looking for? You know, we're really looking for somebody who has, I would say you, ha- you have to have a servant's heart, right? Because, um, like I said, in this job, 80, 85%-ish of our calls are medical calls, right? right? So you're not, it's sometimes um, the fire service, like the military, portrays the glamour of the job, right. but the reality is most of the time it's not the glamorous work, it's it's the it's the, the more down and grunt. dirty in the trenches, that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, so you really have to be willing um, to give of yourself, right? So not only to the community you serve, but you got, it's it's... It's a challenge. We work 24-hour shifts. Our men and women in the stations are working 24-hour shifts. So they're working approximately 10, 11 days a month on an alternating shift schedule. And that's a lot to ask of a young person, right? That's a, that's a sacrifice, especially if they have a family, because you're going to miss um, important family events at times. You don't, you know, the we only have so many available leave slots every day. We have to have some people working. And so sometimes, especially the more junior members, because leave is awarded on seniority, the more junior members can't get the time off. Now they can do trades and things like that, but you, you know you have you just have to have you, yourself and your family prepared for the sacrifices the job requires. The other thing is you have to be really coachable. You have to be you have to be a coachable person and be willing to learn. And um, what I always tell people is you have to be like a tactical athlete, right? You have to stay phys- you have to come in physically fit because in, in even though our academy is 22 weeks long there's a very rigorous physical fitness component that you have to pass on the front end we're not going to get you fit in 22 weeks yeah you, this isn't you, weight watchers exactly you have to come physically fit and capable to do the work yeah. and and that's that's sometimes a lot to ask for some people it really is and and so that's why we run orientation sessions ahead of each academy before we open up a recruitment and like i said our current recruitment is open through april 30th um but the the class the the interested candidates get to come out to the academy sort of see what a day in the life is like and they get to know what the what the physical rigors are and what to be what's expected of them so i saw on tv where they were carrying a dummy that apparently weighed a lot yes mm-hmm. weighs about 170 pounds do they really have to do that oh yeah have to drag it a certain distance yeah as it's to simulate either rescuing somebody from a fire or rescuing a fellow firefighter who may have had some sort of emergency. Wow. Yep. Okay. Well, that I won't be applying. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, okay. We've got fire season. I think in Tucson, it's it's more of a monsoon season. That's kind of a headache for people. Yeah. What do you tell people preparing for monsoon season? 
no more than one way to go where you're going <laughs> for one thing right we're, we're creatures of habit but and and i'm just as guilty of it as everybody else i i tend to take one way to and from work but there's multiple ways right so in monsoon season when the roads are going to flood you know it only takes about six inches of water to float a vehicle yeah um and and people don't either don't realize it or don't think about it or they see somebody with a larger vehicle go through standing water and they think they can make it through with their sedan or minivan, and then they don't, and they get stranded, and heaven forbid they actually get washed away because that's when it gets super, super dangerous. Um, so the you know the, the motto is turn around, don't drown. If you see a flooded roadway, if you can't see the surface of the road below the water, it's not worth the risk. It's just not worth the risk. Just go a different way. Um, it can be a challenge at night. You know, a lot of our monsoons hit late afternoon, early evening, and it gets dark, and then people sometimes on the darker roads people can't even see that it's flooded yeah. so if you're going to an area where you know you're going to be driving through an area that floods or a wash that crosses a roadway just be super careful and uh and you know be mindful of not entering flooded flooded roads are the people that you end up rescuing are they um tourists that don't know or are they residents who should know better um i would say the vast majority of people we encounter are locals locals who yeah who, okay. Who, who just <laughs> who should know ro- better. roll the dice? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, swimming pools. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about swimming pools and what people should be doing with that. Yeah. Especially if you've got little kids. Yeah. Oh well. You know. First things first. Ha- have an enclosure around your pool with a, with a closed and locking gate. Right. Um, that's that's a must. Having taking CPR training is super critical. Um, ha, you know, classes having having CPR CPR is super easy to learn. Um, you know, you don't have to. The, they they teach hands only CPR now, even so you don't have to give the breaths because the breaths aren't as important as restoring circulation. Um, and 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 having you know being aware of especially if you have kids or you're you're hosting something where there's children around the pool. Having somebody watch the pool, keep an eye on Assigned the kids. Person. Yeah, not you know, oh, everybody's watching because then nobody's watching, right? You know, because every year, I think it was two summers ago, we actually had a, um, a, a full summer here in Tucson with no child fatalities, no no child drownings, which was that's amazing. An awesome, it's amazing, it's amazing. But you hear these stories every year. You know, a parent dozes off, child gets out of the house, wanders in, falls in the pool. Having that closing and locking gate so that the child can't reach the latch and open it, super, super important. It will go a long way towards preventing that from happening. I think they make alarm systems too, or the gate will make a, a buzzing sound or something they, or it'll let you know. Yep, they do. There's that. There's the alarm on the gate. There's a device. It's a floating device that can it floats in the pool. And when the water gets disrupted, it you know if somebody falls in, the, it will sound an alarm. So if your dog jumps in the pool... It might go go off, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But at least you know. (laughs) Somebody's in the pool. Right. So, okay, what else should parents know? Where do you get uh, the CPR CPR classes? Where are they available? Do you teach them? Um, The fire department does not. There's... The, the Red Cross has teaches CPR. There are various nonprofits uh, across the city that do it. Um, there's an organization that uh, has actually space at Fire Central. We, we let them have space. It's a nonprofit called Save a Life, and they te- they will teach CPR uh, to, to interested groups and businesses. So um, yeah, there's there's a wide variety out there. And if you just Google CPR training Tucson, it'll you'll you'll get a list of things. Okay. How long is that training? Is it like a day or oh, it's, is it's it? It's a day. It's, okay. it's just a few hours. Yeah. So, and after you're done, you can, you know, you're issued a red cape and you can run out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can save lives. Yeah. 
So, okay. One of my pet peeves is when I'm driving around town, people who smoke throw their cigarette butts out the window. Mm-hmm. What does the fire department have to say about that? Yeah, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> please don't. Uh, brush fires are, are a big problem for us here. You know, it's interesting because um, the the desert, you know, you think in the desert environment, we're not going to have a brush fire, right? But with the buffalo grass and the invasive weeds and everything else, it's, 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 it is a problem um, you know, so if somebody's going down the road and they, and they discard their smoking materials into a, you know, into an area that's got weeds, it's going to catch on fire. And if it's close to a structure, it catches the structure on fire. And yeah, it it's, just, it's a challenge. It goes on and on. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I guess they don't make um, cigarette trays in cars anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I I've not seen I've one. I've seen one. Yeah. That's a good so, point. So, you know, a cup with water in it and just throw your cigarette in there. You've right. got cup holders. Yeah. So be smart. Be smart about it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. On May 13th from 10 to 2, Law Matters is hosting National Rifle Association's Refuse to Be a Victim program. The single most important step towards ensuring your own safety is having a personal safety strategy in place before you need it. The Refuse to Be a Victim program teaches the tips and techniques you need to be alerted to dangerous situations and avoid becoming a victim. Register today at lawmatters1030.org's event page. Class will be at Pima Federal Credit Union, 6850 North Oracle. Bring $30 cash or check. Seating is limited. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You are not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I.org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. There are so many creative scams going on in the Medicare industry that we at Law Matters can barely keep up. We have asked an expert in this arena to filter facts from fiction. If you have questions or concerns, please call Jimmy Stewart at 520-247-2464. He is a licensed professional who can bring clarity to the constant flux in this complex industry. That's Jimmy, 247-2464. Law Matters Live Show opens lines of communication between you and law enforcement. Next week, we will hear from DEA Special Agent in Charge, Sherry Oz. Law Matters is asking you to help sponsor our mission by contributing on lawmatters1030.org. Every dollar counts, and together we can back the blue while we keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is the fire chief, Tucson fire chief, Chuck Ryan. And I heard this week that TPD has a new app where if you see somebody driving, breaking laws while they're driving, if you take a picture of it, you can put it on this app and send it to them and that person will be talked to by the police department. Mm -hmm. Does the fire department have their own personal app? (laughs) No. (laughs) We have our social media presence, but we we don't have an app. You don't have an app, so I can't uh, take a picture of somebody's cigarette butt and say, go get them? (laughs) No, unfortunately, no. Okay. 
You said earlier that there was a huge increase in calls. How are we doing this year compared to last year? We are on pace to exceed the call volume we had last year. So last year was about 101,000, 101,000 and change. Um, the, uh, just at the end of March, we were up to almost 26,000 calls. So we're, we're on pace to, to surpass last year's. Uh, and, and the call volume, if you look historically over it, over the past 10 years in Tucson, it's was in the, in the 80s and now we're up over 100,000. So we're a growing city. We're Do you have city. your own call center? So, um, the city of Tucson has a public safety communications department, which services. So we do have, yes, we, the city has its own. The fire department does not. The police department was not. It's a shared, it's a standalone city department that services police fire, as well as several other police agencies and fire agencies here in Pima County. So has the homeless situation increased your, okay. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> So what are those calls like? What what do people call about? You know, it's ODs. It, it's uh, yeah, uh overdoses are are a, are a driver for the calls for for the houseless homeless population. Um outside fires uh are an issue. Um the, the, it's a, it's a challenge. Um about a third, a little bit less than a third of our fire calls are attributable to activity of homelessness. So that's uh that that is a challenge and it's it's a the other piece of it, and it's tied to, and I'm sure if you've had, I know you had Chief Kazmar on here. Um, he's talked about the fentanyl uh, crisis here. Um, there, you know, it's 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 a different it's a different time, um, and the fentanyl really drives as much as it drives the responses for TPD. It also drives for TFD. So we get a lot of calls, good intent calls. People see somebody, you know, sleeping on a sidewalk and we call them the man down calls. Um, and, and they are in our top five call volume. And invariably it's somebody who's either very heavily intoxicated either with alcohol or with, uh, opiate or synthetic opiate. And, um, yeah, sometimes those calls don't, don't go well, right? Um, Sometimes there's negative outcomes for the person. You know, they they may actually pass away. Sometimes there's negative outcomes with our crews. We've had uh, some violent encounters with some of these people. Yeah. So it's 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 a challenge, and it's not just you know I don't want to make it sound like doom and gloom. Um, it, it's, I'm depressed. It's a challenge here in Tucson, but I'll tell you, Sherry, it, I I talk with fire chiefs uh, around the country on a weekly basis, and every major city has this exact same problem. How does it compare to the cities? You know, we we have legalized marijuana now, and we, on the show, we were telling people, don't do it, don't do it. Right. We're going to end up with homeless people, and it's going to look like Denver, and they did it, so here we are. How does this compare with the cities that, or states that don't have legalized? Is it still homeless all over the place, laying all over the pavement? Um, yeah. Yeah, the the fire chiefs I I talk to, whether it's in a state that has legalized marijuana, you know, recreational marijuana usage or not, it's 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 just it's in the the problem everywhere. is independent of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And it's been it was exacerbated after COVID, really, for whatever reason. So we don't know what the reason is. It's just that's the way it is. Yep. When you come across these people, do they do they go to jail or do they? Do they just go to a hospital? Where do they go? It's so you know that's that's a really good question. Um, it it depends. <laughs> there's no one one quick answer to that. Certainly, if somebody's having a me- if, if there's a medical emergency, if somebody is overdosed or in crisis or something like that, then they will be transported to an appropriate medical facility. If somebody is committing a crime, then TPD will take them into custody and 
dispense with them how they dispense with them right um, <laughs> if it's if it's somebody who's just if it, if it's somebody who's just off the grid right and they yeah. don't and they don't they're not causing a problem they're not in a medical situation they're not in a mental health crisis we don't have we don't have the resources to to take them somewhere we can offer them resources and we do have within Tucson Fire I'm really proud of this partnership with TMC Foundation it's called the TC3 program and it's it's really is a national model it's uh, that stands for Tucson Collaborative Community Care and what that does is um, it brings people who are sort of in these gaps and connects them with services but they have to want the service right that's the that's the key the person has to want the help if they don't want the help, you know, it's the old, the old lead the horse to water thing. Um, I was just thinking that. Right. <laughs> lead a horse to water. Right. But I'll tell you, the TC3 program started before. I, I, it's not my brainchild. It was before I came to Tucson as the fire chief. But it started as a mechanism to help reduce the number of what we call high utilizers or super utilizers, people who are calling 911 for non-emergent purposes repeatedly. They were out of medication. Um, they'd fallen and they couldn't get up. Uh, you know, a whole host of things that are not 911 services. And so TC3 was formulated to take the, the, the burden, if you will, of that person's needs off of the 911 system and get them the help that they needed that the fire department or the police department couldn't. We, we just don't have the capability to address. I remember um, Barrett was on the show. This was going back a few years. Mm -hmm. This one person would call all the time because he couldn't get in and out of his house. So they they said, you know what? Let's let's build him a staircase. Right. <laughs> so yeah, they and they they fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that's that's awesome. Yeah. That's really community service. Yeah. yeah. So then, not that they didn't want to hear from him and how he was doing. It was just you know, let's help you out here. Right. Exactly. So what is your association with TPD? How do you guys work together? We work extremely well together. Um, there's there's two two ways that we work uh, together operationally. Um, one, we support um, TPD's SWAT program with MET paramedics. And so these are Tucson firefighters, par Tucson paramedics, who also go through SWAT training alongside Tucson police officers. So when there is a SWAT call out, uh, our paramedics are embedded with that team, with the operators, um, to provide medical care, A, if, heaven forbid, if one of the law enforcement officers get injured, but also to the person they're arresting or anybody else who may be involved. So that's that's a, that's a really neat program that we have, and not many other cities do it that way. Um, the other piece of it is, we, you know, we're in, we're in an age where active shooters are a thing, right? Um, and it's, it's a sad reality. So in order to be properly prepared for that, um, we have what we call the RTF program, Rescue Task Force, and we train, our members train with Tucson police officers how to actively engage uh, an active shooter so the that we don't fire does not engage but we will go into the warm zone once once the area has been cleared to treat victims um, under the protection of law enforcement and extract them from that scene and so um, we have recently received federal grants state grants to um, and actually a grant through uh, uh, Tahona Odom as well now we, we are in a position where every single Tucson firefighter, will have a ballistic vest and a ballistic helmet. So every truck will have one vest per person, one helmet per person. Um, you don't see that in many places either. But Yeah, but, I was, but I was just thinking that's important. 
really a huge change. It's a massive change. It's a massive change. When I came into the, I kept, I came into the fire service in 1991, and truly, it was fire and medical, and that was pretty much it. The fire service was just really starting to dabble extensively in the hazmat realm, and the change that has occurred since that time is in the profession is unbelievable. It really is. It's sad that it has to be that way, but yeah, active shooter training. We we hosted one over at um, the Arizona School for the Deaf and Blind. TPD came in and did it. It was huge. Yeah, there's a lot of people there. Yep. And and I was sitting there watching it, going, "It's really sad that we have to even have this kind of class." And you know, you need to learn this. Yeah, very true. So these operations that um, these special training things that is that happening after you've become a firefighter? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So do you have well, to well, have? Let me let me let me take that back. Um, so the recruits that are in the, our training academy now, they're exposed to the RTF, the Rescue Task Force operations, in as part of their basic training. Okay. Because day one, when they come out of the academy, they're riding as minimum staffing on a fire truck, and that they could run that call on their very first day. So they have to be able to, they have to know what their role is in that. The the uh, SWAT medic, the Thames medic program, that's different. That's only after. Uh, only after the person has become a paramedic in our organization and has some some time under the under their belt. So you kind of have to qualify. You absolutely have to qualify. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And it's a vetting process. It, it it works. It's an extremely thorough vetting process that TPD does of our folks. It's not just somebody says, "Hey, I want to do this," and they get picked. So <laughs> there's yeah. It's it's very it's a very serious and structured program. So do you want a puppy? Do I want a puppy? I would love for us <laughs> to have an accelerant detection canine. Um, interestingly, I believe the only canine accelerant detection canine in the state right now is uh, hosted by the Chandler Fire Department. And uh, that dog is actually, uh, is, is, he's an amazing pup, but he was down here, the fire at South Point High School. Um, I guess it was last summer. Yeah. 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 That, that, Whatever that, happened with that? Uh, there was an arrest made, and I believe the person pled to the to the offense. Why did they do it, though? I couldn't tell you. That you know, it's a school. Hello. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So you want a puppy? It would be nice to have one. Tucson Fire used to before, again before I was the fire chief. There was a, a accelerant detection canine here in the city with our uh, fire cause investigators. The dog retired, and the the it was not replaced. So was it a Dalmatian? No, I think it was a German Shepherd. Ah, uh, no, it might have been a Black Lab. I take that back. I think it was a Black, black lab. lab. Yeah. So, what's the story on Dalmatians? Are they really fire dogs? <laughs> that is the lore. Yes, um, I used to own a Dalmatian. They are wonderful dogs, but they are not smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. <laughs> we just we just put that to rest. <laughs> So what is the smartest dog to train for your purposes? Would it be a lab? Um, yeah, I, I think most most of the um, accelerant detection canines tend to be your sporting dog, your, you know, the lab, labs, retrievers, right? The ones that have the nose to sniff stuff out, yeah. right? Um, the accelerant uh, and the uh, explosive detection dogs tend to be in the, in the you know, retriever bloodlines typically, Um I, I think we were talking before the show um, in the urban search and rescue realm, which we Tucson Fire does not have an urban search and rescue team. But in that realm, you tend to see more 
um, the same types of dogs that you see in police work because of their agility. Uh, Belgian Malinois, German Shepherds, dogs of that type. Yeah, the the dogs that the TPD has, they're amazing. Yes, they are. I love those dogs. And they're friend. well, I wouldn't just walk up and pet one of yeah, them. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to do that. No. You bite your hand off. But uh, <laughs> most of them are really friendly most dogs. Of them they are. know when they're working and not working. Yes. They certainly know the difference, and that's because they have a great trainer. Yes. Shout out to Jeff. <laughs> so, okay, let's get you a dog. That would be cool. What is it required to have the dog? Explain to the people. Maybe we can pass the hat. Sure. <laughs> so, the, you know, the, 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 the accelerant detection canines, um, uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has training facilities. They train these dogs as, and as well as there's other several, there's several other private entities that do it. But State Farm Insurance has a grant program. I believe at least one of the other large homeowners insurance uh, companies has a grant program. Um, you just have to apply, really. You just have to apply and have somebody or a couple of people in the organization who are willing to, you know, put in the work with the dog. Um, there has to be a relationship. There has with, to absolutely yeah. be a relationship. And, and and time spent outside of working hours working with the dog because the training the training still has to be done even though it's a Saturday or a Sunday, you know. And It's continuous. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand or realize that yeah. just because your dog got trained over here doesn't mean training stopped. Exactly. You have continuing ed. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. do they do any kind of special certification for continuing ed with, with the dog? I'm sure there is, but I couldn't recite it to you right now. I mean, there's... They're, they're, they they do get certified as an accelerant detection canine, but I'm not sure like under what auspice that's done. I know the um, the airport in Phoenix they have decoys that go through every day mm-hmm. with you know some bomb type thing to see if their dogs will alert to it. Yes, and you know that happens on a daily basis. So training is continuous. Yep. And it's unfortunate, but if you want to be a handler, you have to accept that responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And if you only have one dog, and that dog is, who does that dog go home with? If you have two handlers and one dog, one it goes to the primary handler. The primary handler will take the dog, but like um, you know, they ha- they have to have a life too, right? They have a family. They want to take vacation, so somebody else has to be trained to to babysit the dog, the dog. and have the relationship with the dog. Yeah. The sad part about accelerant detection canines, so. Most of, if not all, of the materials that are used to maliciously start fires mm-hmm. are carcinogenic. So the dog's nose basically gets burned out after a period of time, right? The, the sniffer stops working, and most of these dogs develop some sort of canine cancer at a much earlier oh. age. So that's that's an unfortunate part of it. You know, I, I've, I've thought about that with the dogs, that the um, drug the sense drugs and it's like your dog like high at the end of the day how does this work <laughs> yeah <laughs> they walk around they're kind of loopy yeah so okay what do you want to tell people who are thinking about maybe i want to be a firefighter when i grow up i i'd say you know look, look into it there's there's so many more resources out there now than you know when i got into the fire service when i was thinking about it um the internet, I think, was like a fledgling thing, right? So it was it was relationships, people I knew that worked in the fire department, things like that. Take advantage of 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 the internet for, for good, <laughs> and and really look into what the requirements are to see if it's right for you. 
Um, there's there's a lot to it. We talked earlier about you know the physical requirements on the front end. You have to pass. You have to be. You have to have a clean criminal background. You have to be. You know, different departments have different requirements, but you have to be. You know, drug free. You have to have a clean driving record. You have to. Um, you don't have to have a college degree, but you at least have to have a high school diploma or a GED. I was going to ask about that. So, if you come in and you have a college degree, does that like the military? It helps you up the the ranks, or is it doesn't I, matter? It, it 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 helps at least in Tucson. It helps. I believe it's helpful in, in as you want to progress and, and and challenge promotional examinations. It helps you with your test taking. Um, it certainly helps with critical thinking, I believe, but it doesn't necessarily give you points. Okay, like, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. do they? If somebody comes in, they graduated high school. How old do you have to be? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yep. So they join the fire department and they want to continue with their education, do you help pay for their education? We do. Uh, the city of Tucson has a very robust tuition assistance and tuition reimbursement program. So if you're really smart, you'll join the fire department and right. have somebody else pay for your education. Pretty much. <laughs> so you don't have this huge student loan thing going on. Exactly right. Do you work with search and rescue, Pima County search and rescue? Um, we do. We do. So our, um, you know, we have, again urban fire department, but in some of the more outlying areas around the city, um, you know, trail networks and stuff. And so we have worked with Pima County search and rescue in the past, um, with the sheriff's, with the sheriff's department, um, with their helicopter team and all that. So yeah, especially so in the start, let them pay area. for the helicopter. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see how this works. So I know you came from the East coast yes. where water uh, rescue was probably more prevalent year-round than yes. it is here. Yeah, I, I came here. I I worked for Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, Fire and Rescue Department, which is in the National Capital Region. Um, if people don't know, it's it's literally across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C., but Fairfax County uh, is the largest fire department in the state of Virginia, has roughly 1,500 members, 40-some-odd stations. Tucson Fire is about half the size of that. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, so I worked there, uh, retired in 2019, September of 2019, as an assistant fire chief, basically the number two in that organization, uh, to take the fire chief's job here in Tucson. So when people come out of the um, academy mm-hmm. and you're assigning them to different stations, do they get a choice or is it, you know, pick a number out of a hat? How does it work? C- coming out of the academy, they... they pretty much get told where they're going <laughs> once they're in the system they can bid you know there's bid bid rights to openings uh at various stations but coming out we we pretty much place them where we need them how many stations do we have we have 22 stations in the city how many employees do we have we have well total number of employees is 700 645 of those are sworn commission firefighters and you, do you make arrests? You're wearing a badge. Can you make an arrest? No, we do not have arrest authority. So if somebody's doing something naughty, you have to call the TPD. Exactly. Yep. Do you ever call like ATF or the other guys like FBI or any of those people? So our fire cause investigators, our arson investigators work with TPD's arson detective and through that relationship have ties with ATF for you know, if we need assistance for any sort of, you know, thing, anything, the ATF helped us with the South Point fire as an example. Okay. And what did he use to, do you remember what he used to make? Because it was in the ceiling. I I don't, 
I don't I, remember. I don't. Sorry. Because it was, it was just such a bizarre thing. Yeah. That, you know, and why would you want to do that to the school? So tell me about your wildest rescue ever. <laughs> wildest rescue ever. Holy cow. Either person or animal. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say, you know, it, it goes back to, I would have to say it goes back to uh, my time in fair. So I've been off the truck for a, a, a good while now. I think I, I moved into a, a chief's role in 2010 in my prior department. Um, so, um most the most vivid one I can recall was back in Fairfax County, and we had a, a significant high rise fire. It's it's a very it's a very urban suburban county. It's 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 got a lot of density. One point two million people crammed into four hundred square miles, but a lot of high rises. And I distinctly remember uh, a high rise fire uh, with people trapped on upper floors, and and you know getting people safely down from that while still battling the fire. And that's that's probably the one that is most vivid to me. Now you just made me think about it. We had a fire. I was with Chicago, mm-hmm. and we had a fire on the 36th floor of Sears Tower, and all these firefighters and all their gear yes. having to walk up all those stairs. Yeah. We don't have many tall buildings here in Tucson, nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, I think the tallest one is 5151, isn't it? I believe that is, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So have you done water rescue here in Tucson? Me personally? Yeah, no. your department. <laughs> the department has, yes. I, I have not personally. Yeah, we every year, um, like we talked about during monsoon, it seems m- most frequently is when we have challenges with people in the washes, either uh, accidentally or intentionally, and they get uh, they get caught up in in the in the rushing water, and we have to pull them out. We have to save them, <laughs> and it's it's fairly common in the in the monsoon months. John wants to know if you had any calls getting cats out of trees. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The cat always comes down <laughs> eventually. Yes, <laughs> I saw one on. Uh, they was on the news not that long ago, sitting on electrical wires. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, well, you, you to, you'll be there for a while because I wouldn't go get you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> figure that one out. Yeah. So, what do you want the listeners to know with this monsoon season coming up? Fire season's coming up. What do you want them to do and not do? Yeah, be really mindful. First off, with respect to the wildfire stuff, um, even though we're in an urban environment, um, we can still have a, a wild what we call the wildland urban interface, or in the in the vernacular, WUI, W U I, right? Um, where where we have even within the city large growth areas of vegetation, and the challenge becomes when that vegetation starts to burn rapidly. It's with the dense structures, uh, closely spaced structures. The, the 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 vegetation is the initial fuel for the fire, but then the structures become the fuel for the fire. And and on a real, especially on a windy day, what we call red flag days, which very low humidity, high winds, and high temperature, bad combination. The potential, the potential for rapid fire spread from structure to structure is very very high. So be super careful if you have an outdoor grill or you're doing any like an outside bonfire or anything like that. Please don't torch weeds. Holy cow. <laughs> I've seen people do that. Yeah, that's not, that's not, A, it's not legal under the fire code. B, uh, it's just bad. It's just bad judgment. It's not don't, smart. Don't do it. 
you know the same thing we talked about right dragging chains keep keep if you're if you're hauling a trailer keep the chains up off the roadway all these little things you can do cigarette properly pods. disposing of smoking materials if you're a smoker those little things can go a long way towards solving a wildfire and and preventing one here just within city limits the second part is you talked about monsoon season coming up again don't drive through flooded roadways no more more than one way to go on the route you're going and if you don't have another way to go wait it out it's not worth the risk especially if you have kids in the car or or people who are you know it's just not worth it so just turn around don't drown or just sit and wait for the water will ultimately go down yeah and it doesn't take that long it does not it's it's like okay it's flooded and okay now it's not right yeah <laughs> no, it doesn't a take a short that period long. of time goes by and it's done exactly yeah don't don't be don't be a dummy. Right. You know? Yeah. It's it's not worth it. Right. You know, Arizona has that law. It's called the stupid motorist law. Which I is, love that. It's a great name, but <laughs> it's it's kind of rough. But, you know, it, it does allow uh, a municipality or a fire department or a fire district to charge for the costs of a rescue. Exactly. Uh, and they should be charged. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, it's just, it's crazy. But... What the heck? We, <laughs> we're, we're approaching these seasons, and and we want to be able to give you guys a break. Yeah, a little bit. You know, that's a lot of calls. That's insane. Yeah. the amount of calls you're you're getting. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very very high, and growing. And growing. And same with TPD. They're getting a lot of calls. Yes. Now, is everybody a paramedic? No, uh, I'd say. We have about 150 paramedics out of our 645 personnel. Everybody at a minimum is an emergency medical technician, and then about 150, 160 folks have, you know, get the higher certification of paramedic. So there is a difference between EMT and a paramedic. Yes. What's the big difference? Paramedics can start IV lines and can administer narcotics, drugs as needed, you know, cardiac medications, things like that. EMTs do basic, we do basic life support. We can't. We can't admit. We can't start an IV legally. We can't administer medications. A paramedic has to do that. Do they carry Narcan? We do. Yep. Everybody. Every truck has it. Yeah. Every truck has mm-hmm. it. How yep. many trucks do you have? Oh boy. <laughs> in in twenty two <laughs> stations, I'd have to. I'd have to count. A whole bunch. But we have. A, we have a whole bunch. Yeah. We have a whole bunch. <laughs> I've seen. You know, we're getting low on time here, but yeah. I've seen where you know the fire department will answer a call, but then this private. Uh, yeah, private private company comes company. in and, and takes the person. Yes, what's up with that? So, uh, the Reader's Digest version in Arizona, in order to provide emergency medical service within a geographic boundary, you need what's called a CON or Certificate of Need from the Arizona Department of Health Services, state entity. We have here in Tucson, uh, we hold Tucson Fire holds what's called an Advanced Life Support CON. So we provide we provide Tucson Fire provides paramedic service within the city limits. AMR, uh, our contractor, has uh, the BLS, the Basic Life Support CON. So our crews, if we go to a medical scene, we assess the patient. It's determined the patient's not having an acute medical crisis. It's a basic life support. Could be a broken bone. Could be a bloody. Could be anything other than something that requires medication to be administered via IV or other means. Then we will turf that call to AMR to take that person to to the hospital. Okay, which frees up our resources. So. Let's talk about rattlesnakes. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I know you don't pick them up. We do not do. (laughs) Unless it's in somebody's house, if it's posing a life, a true life threat. But if it's just hanging out in your carport or it's a nuisance on your front porch, we we just don't do rattlesnakes. 
Um, if there I know was some a snake them, in my house, I'd move. Yeah, I mean, I would not be happy. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things you don't do. Yeah. Smoky Bear still around? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you have a Smoky Bear? We, we, do you guys have we, a costume you wear? We have, we have a Sparky the Fire Dog. Uh, so it's a Dalmatian wearing turnout gear. The kids love it, and it, uh, we use it for our life safety educators. Use it to reach out to kids to teach them fire safety. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, we're running out of time because I hear music playing. <laughs> and I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing all this knowledge. I've learned things. I hope our listeners have too. Thank you, Sherry. It's been a pleasure. And- and just shop local, stay safe, and we'll see you next week with um, Sherry Oz will be here from DEA. She's the SAC coming down from Phoenix, so you'll learn a lot from her, too. We'll talk to you next week.